0: Remain standing and pray with me and for me. Father, we are thankful. You're a good God. You have reconciled us to yourself through the perfect work of Christ. And Lord, we gather to celebrate that, and every day we celebrate that. As we come to the preaching of your word, Lord, I ask that you would use me, your servant, I need you, Holy Spirit, to come and speak to your people. May our hearts be ready, fertile soil to receive your word. And may it produce results and fruit in our lives for the glory of your great name. And we ask this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 You may be seated. We will be focusing on the 1 Corinthians passage today. There was a young boy named Bobby who loved to go to his elderly neighbor's house for snacks and a chat because we always know there's food in Grandma's house. That's my testimony. She would always have something and she would always fill your ear with conversation. And this little boy comes to this Old elderly lady's house one day, and she starts talking, they start talking, and little Bobby goes, I'm worried about going to church next Sunday. The old lady goes, well, I'm so sorry to hear that, Bobby. What's the problem? Bobby says, yesterday on the way home from church, my dad was talking, and he said, number one, there was a cannon in the pulpit. The choir butchered the Gloria, and I didn't even know who she was. And the organist drowned the whole choir. Who's going to sing next Sunday? I don't feel safe at church anymore. So little Bobby picked up on the violent and destructive images of his dad's speech and was influenced. And today, Paul addresses an issue in 1 Corinthians that it's not so much about the question the Corinthians asked, but it's about the influence that we have, that it can be destructive or it can be constructive. (coughs) The influence that mature Christians were having on less mature Christians is the issue that Paul really brings to our attention today. And this phenomenon called social media has created influencers, I had to ask my kids, you know, what influencers, and I looked up the definition, and it's a person that has power to affect decisions of others because of his or her authority, knowledge, position, or relationship with their audience. That's a pretty powerful place to have. You've got a power to affect the decisions of others. And so I immediately thought, well, who are the, the top ten influencers on social media today? It's not a very encouraging list. Except for the first two. I can go with the first two. The, the, the number one influencer was 781 million followers. Ronaldo, the footballer. Number two, footballer also, Messi with 530 million followers, and it's all downhill from here. <laughs> Selena Gomez, with almost 500 million. Justin Beaver, with close to 500 million. Kylie Jenner, Kim Kardashian, Dwayne Johnson, Taylor Swift, Katy Perry, and Ariana Grande round out the top ten list. If these people have that kind of power over those amount of people, church, we have a great job to do. It is cut out for us because all of us have a sphere of influence around us. There's people that are looking to us, people that are listening to us, people we have an effect on. And today, Paul, addressing this question, whether they can eat meat from a pagan temple or not, gives us the proper use of influence. For influence to be effective, he shares with us what we need to do. And first of all, we have to realize that knowledge alone is insufficient. He quotes them, because you had these two people, these two groups of people. You had the Freedom Party. They, They were like, an idol is nothing. There's only one true God. That's true knowledge. That's right. So they were like, well, let's go down there. And their mantra was, give me the T-bone medium rare. They didn't care. An idol's nothing. But then they had the abstinence party. They were old pagans. They were reformed. They used to go to that temple and worship that deity. And they were not comfortable doing that. They were the abstinence party. Their mantra was, I'll just have the salad with extra ranch dressing. Cuz you're in the south, that's the only one dressing there is. Did you not know that? All that other stuff's not dressing. Why is knowledge alone insufficient? Because we only see from our perspective. We don't know. And knowledge alone only weighs the issue or the person from our point of view we don't know their background we don't know their personal convictions we don't know the issues involved of why or why not because all of us have certain triggers that make us do bad things if you didn't know that you know that now we've all got a trigger There's a couple of words that, there's a couple of phrases in the kitchen. If somebody says it, it's a trigger and I will go off. I don't want to hear it. And I will get very angry and not in a good way. We have triggers. We have to avoid those triggers. And there's only one person who has the right to say it's my way or the highway. And it's not me. I thought it was, but I realize it's not. It's Jesus. Because he is the way. He's the only one that has that right to say. So our knowledge alone, we we can't have constructive influence. When we exercise knowledge alone, we easily get aggressive, tense, and closed-minded. How many arguments have have you had and you remember and you were in there heated and and you were really obstinate? Closed-minded to the other person's point of view. Knowledge alone will do that. I know I'm right. So does the other person. <laughs> Knowledge alone is easily self-absorbed and self-preserving. We have a kind of unwritten contest in the kitchen at work. We've got two kitchen alumni here today, very proud of these guys, and a kind of on the bench of kitchen alumni, still in action, my daughter. And we throw banter back and forth to each other. And the goal is for the other person to be speechless, to have no response. And when you can succeed in that, I'm going to tell you, it feels good. Now, Dusty got me good the other day. I'm just saving up on him. But I, I just said, I ain't got nothing to say to that. Because it feels good to get the last word in, doesn't it? And that's our nature. Knowledge alone always wants to get the last word in. In short, Paul just sums it up, knowledge puffs up. But the danger of being puffed up is you're easily deflated. Easily deflated. So he's telling us here in this scenario therefore, for our influence to be effective, knowledge is not sufficient, something's missing. Because knowledge is only effective through love. Because why? Love builds up constructive influence because love will always seek the object that it is set upon. For two years, my love was set upon a certain object. For two years, I went to a church that I didn't understand anything they were saying. For two years, I ate food that was very unfamiliar with me. I was literally the square peg trying to fit in a round hole, but I got the object my love was set upon, because she's sitting right over there, (laughs) because ultimately our lives with Christ, through Christ, it's always about the other, the other. And right in the middle of all this, Paul in verse 3 says, if anyone is known by, if anyone loves God, he is known by God. Seems kind of like he interrupted his train of thought for a minute. I thought, well, maybe Paul got sidetracked because it just didn't kind of fit all in there. But it really does. Why is it important? If we are, if we love God, we are known by God. God knows you and he is still crazy about you. Now, I know all of you here today, you look pretty good. Your clothes are coordinated. You're matching. Your hair's combed. Hopefully, you smell good. Hopefully, you brushed your teeth. You all look like good, outstanding, upstanding citizens. But God knows all your junk. He knows all your mess. He knows all those dark thoughts you have. And guess what? You're still the apple of his eye. He still loves you in spite of all of that. All the times you rejected him and rebelled against him and turned away from him. And maybe shook your fist up at him. Maybe I'm the only one that did all that. I don't know. He still loves you. One of my favorite passages out of the Song of Solomon. Now I know Solomon originally wrote that for one of his ladies. And he had a lot to choose from. But ultimately... (laughs) Sorry. That's my mind working. It's about God. It's about Christ and the church. It's really a love story between Christ and his church. And this one little passage, and this is my translation, paraphrase, whatever you want to call it, is Solomon writes, My heart beats faster with one glance of her eye. Imagine Christ feels that way about you with all your mess. His heart beats faster when you look towards him. Now, why is that important in dealing with influencing others? Because if God is like that with me, If God treats me like that and relates to me like that, I have to begin to recognize I need to relate to other people the way he relates to me. Because knowledge through love is the only way to have effective influence. Because knowledge through love individualizes. It sees the person. Now, when I was writing this down, I remembered that movie, and it took me five minutes to remember the name of this movie because I'm getting old. All I could remember is that dadgum Disney movie with those big blue people. And I'm sat there at my table thinking, what is the name of that movie? And it's Avatar. How did I forget Avatar? But if you remember that movie, do you remember their greeting to one another? Anybody? Wow, you guys will not win at Jeopardy. (laughs) I see you. (laughs) That's their greeting. I see you. And for us as Christians, if we want influence to be constructive, we have to see the other person. We have to see their faults, see their failures, see their shortcomings, see the hurt in their life but also see what they can become. After all, remember the 12 guys Jesus picked? Not first class, not second class, maybe no class, but he saw them and saw what they could become. Knowledge through love sees the other person and it evaluates clearly. The issue is not me getting my way or proving I'm better or smarter or getting my rights exercised. But it's about the other person's growth and maturity and edification. Knowledge through love, Paul says, is aware of a very important principle. That if we Wound someone for whom Christ died, we are wounding Christ. You're not just defending a brother, you're smacking Jesus in the face. That's serious. We have to have influence that edifies, not knowledge that puffs up. What's that going to do? I don't care how smart you are. I want to see how much you love because that makes the difference. Love changes people. There was a church picnic, and Father Ben's here so I can say it because me and him will get it, at a Southern Orthodox church. <laughs> We're old people. We're old people. So at this picnic, you know, there was a new convert from Islam, and he had been attending the church for quite a while. And, of course, his name would be Muhammad. And this little girl was bringing sandwiches around to everybody at this picnic. And she came to Mohammed and she said, would you like to have a sandwich? And he asked, well, what do you have? Little girl says, all we have is ham and cheese or some pulled pork. Mohammed goes, well, I will not have any. I'll just stick with the potato salad. The little girl, being a good southern orthodox girl, Well, Muhammad, I'm surprised. You're now a Christian. You can eat pork or whatever you like because Jesus made all pig divine swine. (laughs) Muhammad said, Muhammad goes, "I, I know I'm free to eat pork. I'm also free not to eat pork. I'm still in relationship with my family back home. And when I go to see them, before I get into the house, my father will greet me at the door and ask me this question. Have those infidels taught you to eat filthy hog meat? If I say, no, father, no pork has passed my lips, then my father will let me in the house. If I say yes, He will banish me from the home and I will lose my influence over my family. If I say no, he will let me in and I am free to tell them of the joy I've found in Christ. That's constructive influence. Not thinking about ourselves, but about the other. Are we maintaining the influence that edifies? Jesus gave us a great example. He has called us and commissioned us and told us that you are the salt of the earth. Well, what does salt do? The logical answer is, makes it salty. Well, it actually does a lot. And I'll give you a little culinary 101 right here. Salt does a couple of things to food. First of all, salt intensifies sweetness. Small amount of salt intensifies the sweetness. Why do you put salt on your watermelon? Makes it sweeter. Why do some people put salt on their apples? Makes it sweeter. You didn't know that was what was happening, but that's what's happening. That's why you like it. Now you know. Salt also counteracts bitterness. That's why my grandfather, I watched him for years, put salt on his grapefruit. I was like, you're ruining the grapefruit. It's bitter. But salt does something amazing as well. It releases molecules in the food that brings out the flavor that's kind of hiding the goodness. No wonder Jesus called us the salt of the earth. We, as influencing for his kingdom, must intensify the sweetness of the joy we found in Christ. Counteract the bitterness of anger, hate, wrath, malice. Release the molecules of the gospel into people's lives that brings out the best in them that's kind of hiding until you release it. Are we maintaining the influence that edifies? Are we being the salt of the earth? And I'm going to leave you with a couple of questions. And in the words of Arsenio Hall, I hope there are things that make you go, hmm. And if you remember Arsenio Hall, don't tell anybody because it proves you're old. Question one. Do my actions, words, and thoughts bring a smile? To God's face. He's with me. He's with you. He knows you. Do my actions, words, and thoughts bring a smile to God's face? Do my actions, words, and thoughts puff me up or build others up? Lastly, Is love the controlling factor of my behavior and actions? Or is it my desire to be right? May we all be the fragrant aroma of Christ in a world consumed with death and darkness. Influencing them with the gospel. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Please stand.